0: You a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you dry it, you roll it, you smoke it, and it and
1: goes down smooth. Earth. Spanning the continent to bring you the truth about cannabis and marijuana law reform. I smoke pot and I like it a lot. <laughs> CannabisRadio.com presents the Russ Bellville Show, the voice of the marijuana nation.
0: Hey, this is great, man.
1: Yeah. Now, here's your host. Radical Ross
2: Melville. Good day, tokers and toquettes and non-toking lovers of liberty. It is Thursday, August 4th, 2016, and it's got to be 420 somewhere in the world. Thanks for being here. Glad to have you here as we come to you live from beautiful legal potland, Oregon. The skies are clear and it's a 90-degree day outside. Beautiful things happening out here in the Pacific Northwest, and uh Good things happening here at uh, the studios as well. I uh, went out and secured another laptop, and uh, I'm currently getting it all set up and configured. We're not using it yet, but starting next week, we ought to be able to bring you this show without uh, so much of that stuttering problem we've been having by running two different laptops and kind of spreading out some of the uh, activities that each laptop is uh, is doing. So, We'll improve the sound of the show, uh, and thank you for uh, sticking with me and your patience as I get this all fixed. We got all sorts of things to talk about today, but first, let us celebrate the birthday of two of the greatest marijuana smokers in history. Today, August 4th, is the birthday of Louis Sachmo Armstrong. That's right, Louis Armstrong's birthday today, and uh, of course, uh, Louis was... One of the biggest celebrities of the early 20th century, Richard Nixon was a huge fan of the guy, and uh, Louis was well-known, of course, for being a marijuana smoker, too. He called it Gage, or Muggles, or Tea, or Jive. Another great marijuana smoker who's got a birthday today, President Barack Obama, king of the choom gang, master of the total absorption hit the leading interceptor of the Hawaiian Teenage Marijuana Smoking League. (laughs) It is his birthday today as well. And one other birthday of a non-pot smoker, but the relative of one. Happy birthday to my niece, Hannah, who turns 19 today. She's serving in the United States Navy in Chicago. I I guess there's Navy stuff. They got the Navy Pier out there, right? So uh, she's serving our country. And uh, happy birthday to you, Hannah. When I turned 19, uh, I was able to drink, but uh, you gotta wait another two years. Ha ha! All right. Coming up on the show today, we've got all sorts of marijuana news to get to you and a couple of great guests to talk to today. Coming up at half past, we're going to do a Cannabis Business Chronicle segment where we're speaking with Chris Olson. He's with the Indo Expo that's taking place this weekend in Portland at the Expo Center. I'll be there with Cannabis Radio's huge 20 by 30 lounge. We'll be streaming live. So check out this Cannabis Radio feed. All this weekend as I interview some of the movers and shakers and money makers in the marijuana industry, both Saturday and Sunday here in Portland, Oregon. Then after that interview, we'll have a chance to get into another interview. We're going to speak with Bree Whitehead. She's with the Stoned Media Group and a website and brand called Stoned Girls. So we're going to talk about Stoned Girls and a little bit about the empowerment of women ...or the objectification of women, depending on how you look at it, uh, in the marijuana industry. In our first half hour, we're going to bring you the uh, cannabis radio news. In our headlines today, we've got the Olympics beginning in Rio. We've got Scott's miracle Grow jumping into the marijuana industry. We've got Colombian medical marijuana farmers to tell you about. We have a good privacy case out of the New Jersey Supreme Court concerning marijuana... We've got an interesting uh, write-in candidate to tell you about in Missouri and a woman who escaped the clutches of the drug police for 25 years. She's finally been caught in Houston. We'll also uh, do a behind-the-headlines on a study that's out asking young people on their experiences with booze, marijuana, and sex. That's all coming up right after this.
1: This is The Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com.
3: Earn your PhD in THC monetization with CannabisRadio.com. Don't be late. The cannabis industry is growing, business is booming, and as new opportunities arise in newly legalized states, each market is getting more competitive. Canna Management Corporation and let our team get you ready to grow. 415-269-8015. That's 415-269-8015. Or visit canna-management.com. Tommy Chong is ready to cut through the smoke and change the tone
0: of Tilt Radio. Hey, this is Tommy Chong. This is Radon on the other mic. Yes, the eldest. And awesome. we saw it was called uh, Dying to Know.
4: It's a love story between Ram Dass
0: and Tim Leary. Yeah, the gay Jew and uh, Tim.
4: <laughs> but he wasn't gay when he was a professor. He didn't know.
0: Yeah, that must have been a shock to his <laughs>
4: wife. The one time he, like, met a vagina. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the Tommy Chunk Podcast, only on CannabisRadio.com. Welcome to my world.
1: world, world. You're not high. You're listening to The Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com.
2: We need to build a wall. Okay. Maybe you're high, too. Are you playing an acoustic guitar but want to be louder without an amp? Try a resonator guitar fingerboard extension has national resophonic and other resonators square necks and round necks stop by the fingerboard extension downtown corvallis at 120 northwest second street today or check out its inventory on the web at fingerboardextension.com go wild hog in the woods
1: It's time for the Cannabis Radio News. Covering the latest headlines in consumer cannabis, medical marijuana, and industrial hemp. Cannabis Radio News is now available exclusively at CannabisRadio.com. Now your marijuana headlines in 4 minutes and 20 seconds. This is Cannabis Radio News.
2: This is your Cannabis Radio News for Thursday, August 4th, 2016. Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. The 2016 Rio Summer Olympic Games begin this week, and a U.S. athlete disqualified from the 2012 London Summer Olympics for marijuana use will finally get to compete. Nicholas Del Popolo is a American judoka, or judo competitor, who was kept off the Olympic team four years ago due to a failed drug test he blamed on unknowingly eating a marijuana-infused brownie. Another disqualified martial artist from 2012, American champion wrestler Stephanie Lee, is no longer competing in the sport. The World Anti-Doping Agency, which monitors Olympic athletes for doping, has since raised its threshold by a factor of 10, now requiring 150 nanograms of marijuana metabolite in urine to trigger a positive instead of the 15 nanograms that cost Del Popolo and Lee their Olympic dreams in 2012. WADA specifically mentioned the need to keep athletes whose use was long before competition from failing their tests. Marysville, Ohio, Scott's miracle Grow, the company famous for its lawn and garden products, has made another big investment in the legal marijuana industry by paying $136 million to purchase Gavita, a Dutch grow-light company. Scott's has also signed a deal to purchase Botanicare, an Arizona company that makes nutrient and hydroponics supplies. Last year, Scotts paid 130 million to acquire California's General Hydroponics. Scotts runs its marijuana industry business through a subsidiary called Hawthorne Gardening Company, which is well known among cannabis growers for its Black Magic soil brand. Scott's CEO Jim Hagadorn sees investments as the company's chance to quote take advantage of something that's high margin, high growth." End quote. Rio Negro, Colombia. Colombian farmers are beginning to plant their first legal cannabis crops since the government legalized medical use of marijuana. But unlike other countries and states where such use is legal, Colombia also legalized the export of medical marijuana products like salves and tinctures. Officials in the South American country want to see a thriving cultivation and export business in hopes it will curtail the power and profits of the drug cartels that traffic in still illegal cocaine and heroin. A Canadian company, Pharma Cielo, received a license in June to produce cannabis products, which it plans to import back into Canada. Pharma Cielo estimates that once their cultivation facilities are up and running, they will be able to produce marijuana flowers wholesale at just a nickel a gram. Bridgewater, New Jersey. The New Jersey Supreme Court has upheld the right to privacy for a man whose aunt reported his closet marijuana grow to the police. Michael Cushing, age 29, was living in the home of his aunt's mother when his aunt, Lisa Milroy, became suspicious about her mother's high electricity bill. Milroy then entered Cushing's bedroom while he was away and discovered grow lights and cannabis plants in Cushing's closet. Milroy called police and escorted them into the bedroom and closet. Police then obtained a search warrant and seized 16 cannabis plants. Cushing pleaded guilty to cultivation charges and was sentenced to 10 years in prison. The Supreme Court agreed with appellate courts that determined Milroy violated Cushing's expectation of privacy and had no right to show police that closet. The case will now be retried to determine if that evidence should have been suppressed. If it is, Cushing's conviction could be overturned. If not, Cushing will be resentenced. Kansas City, Missouri. Chief Juana Doobie's dream of representing Missouri in the U.S. Senate has gone up in smoke. The 57 year old Doobie, his real name since 2007, finished third among four contenders in the Democratic Senate primary Tuesday, garnering nearly 10% of the vote. Missouri Secretary of State Jason Kander will face Republican Senator Roy Blunt in November. Doobie of rural Salem previously failed in a bid for the Missouri House, sporting a large forehead tattoo that started as a marijuana leaf. He ran his latest race on a platform advocating term limits and, quote, 100 percent legalization of marijuana, end quote. Houston, Texas A woman has been caught in Mexico more than 25 years after she failed to appear in federal court in Texas to be sentenced on a drug charge. Lorena Salazar Galvin, age 47, and a U.S. citizen was taken into custody in May as she tried to cross the border from Mexico into the United States She had been charged with distributing 79 pounds of marijuana This has been your Cannabis Radio News for Thursday, August 4th, 2016 I'm Russ Bellville.
3: forwarding the cause of legalization and research of the growing cannabis industry one podcast at a time. The Cannabis Radio Network.
5: Play is Ted Growing, expelled botany sophomore and the biggest grower in town, only on Weed Firm Replanted. Available on the App Store and Google Play.
0: It's a lot of work being the biggest grower in town.
5: Hey, this is Willie Nelson for Normal. And I smoke pot and I like it a lot. I learned a long time ago that marijuana is a lot safer than alcohol. There's nothing wrong with the responsible use of marijuana by adults. It's time we stopped arresting and started respecting those who smoke marijuana responsibly. To learn what you can do to help, contact normal at morml.org or call toll-free 888-67-normal.
1: The Russ Belleville Show is blogging and podcasting daily at RadicalRuss.com.
2: Don't want to spend money on a night out, but don't know what to do other than watching TV or playing video games? Consider playing guitar, bass, banjo, or mandolin. The instrument will give you hours of entertainment with friends with minimal expense. Stop by the Fingerboard Extension, downtown Corvallis at 120 Northwest 2nd Street today or check out its inventory on the web at fingerboardextension.com.
1: The world of cannabis is evolving at a frenetic pace. The Russ Belleville Show gets behind the headlines to take a deeper look at breaking news in our Cannabis Focus.
2: Today in the Cannabis Focus, we take a look at a new study coming out of New York University, published in the Archives of Sexual Behavior, and it's a study on young people, their use of alcohol and marijuana, and what difference it makes in their sexual experiences. According to uh, one of the lead researchers, Joseph Palomar, quote, it is important to examine users' sexual experiences and sexual risk behavior associated with use to inform prevention and harm reduction, end quote. Now, in the study, they interviewed 24 adults, 12 males, 12 females, all heterosexual, all HIV negative, who recently used marijuana before sex. And then they compared that with people who had used alcohol before sex and tried to figure out what were the differences. And what they found is that the alcohol users more commonly were seen to be outgoing and more often facilitated connections with potential sexual partners. In other words, booze gets you laid more than weed does. However, they also noted that alcohol was more likely than marijuana to lead to what they call atypical partner choice or post-sex regret. (laughs) Let me translate. Uh, Booze gives you beer goggles. (laughs) And you may wake up uh, like uh, Willie Nelson once said, I uh, went home at 2 with a 10 and woke up at 10 with a (laughs) 2. So that's the uh, effect of alcohol, right? Right. Uh, According to the researchers, alcohol was commonly used as a social lubricant to meet sexual partners. And uh, they said that um, – what they found that was interesting, according to Dr. Palomar, he says the illegality of marijuana actually facilitated sexual interactions because it's illegal in most places. It produces a strong odor, so you have to use it in a a private setting. And that private setting then leads to more intimate situations to facilitate sexual encounters. What they found was that the booze was more likely to get you laid in general, and when you did get laid, it was more likely with strangers and people you were more likely to regret having slept with, the beer goggles effect. With marijuana, they found while it didn't cause you to get laid as often, the people you did get laid with were more likely to be friends. A friend with weed is a friend indeed, right? So uh, that's an interesting part of the study. The other part is they wanted to note the actual effects, the drug effects of uh, alcohol and marijuana. And it's kind of a, a sad trade off. Alcohol for men was associated with sexual dysfunction, the old whiskey dick, uh, right? <laughs> and then with women, marijuana use was associated with vaginal dryness. Again, just like you know uh, any mucous membrane, you know how you get dry mouth when you smoke weed. Well, it's the same effect, right? So uh, I think what we've got here is a situation where men ought to smoke the weed and women ought to drink. <laughs> no, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, they also they also noted um, the sexual effects tended to be similar across both males and females. Alcohol and marijuana were both associated with loss of inhibitions. Both appear to be associated with increased feelings of sexual attractiveness. So they didn't find much difference that way. Dr. Palomar said, It wasn't surprising that alcohol use reportedly led to less post-sex satisfaction than marijuana. Participants reported feelings of regret more frequently after sex on alcohol, but compared to alcohol, they generally didn't report poor judgment after using marijuana. Uh, some of the participants found uh, marijuana led to increased feelings of anxiety or wariness in unfamiliar situations. This also is part to part of the uh, understanding of of how the alcohol reduces the inhibitions and the judgment in such a way that you're going to end up with more less uh, uh, desirable partners, whereas. Marijuana affects your inhibitions, but not your judgment, right? The, uh, the doctor, Dr. Palomar, says sexual encounters with marijuana tended to be with someone the individual knew. Sex on alcohol was often with a stranger, so the situation before sex may be much more important than the drug used. The uh, alcohol was also associated with riskier s- sexual behavior. And both marijuana and alcohol seem to increase the risk for unsafe sex, uh, not using condoms, for example. Dr. Palomar says research is needed to continue to study the sexual effects of recreational drugs to inform prevention, and ensure users and potential users of these drugs are aware of sexual effects associated with their use. And uh, he also... Uh, Come out and fight! It is a good day to die. He also goes on to point out uh, that the just say no attitude toward drugs uh, is not helping in any way to lead to better sexual outcomes. We need to inform our young people about these drugs and the effects they have. All right, we got to take a break. It's 420 in Denver, Colorado. We'll be right back with some drug war data mining.
5: Next to THC and CBD, you can now add CBR to your cannabis vernacular. CBR as in CannabisRadio.com.
3: Cash? Sorry. I don't carry around cash, and I don't want to use the ATM and pay surcharges. You don't need to carry cash. Haven't you heard about
5: PayQuick? Okay. Tell me about PayQuick. It's the safe and easy way to pay. It works just like your debit card to securely pay for your purchase. And it gives you rewards points every time you use it. Nice. Pay Quick, the safe and easy way to pay. P A Y Q W I C K dot com.
2: I'm Radical Russ from The Russ Belleville Show. Good to everybody. Radical Russ here in Aspen, Colorado at the Alaska Northwest Cannabis Classic, at the 26th Annual Boston Freedom Rally, at the High Times Cannabis Cup, Northern California. Day one of Canicon in Seattle, Washington. It's the Russ Belleville Show, the NPR of POT, weekdays live at 6 Eastern, 3 Pacific, exclusively on CannabisRadio.com.
1: The Russ Belleville Show. Chat is for friends 18 and older. We expect our chat to be civil, mature, and free from excessive profanity. If you don't like these rules, there are approximately 6 billion other chat rooms with lower standards that you can visit.
2: Welcome, everybody, to the Drug War Data Mines. Today, we are going to be taking a look at figures from the Substance Abuse Mental Health Data Archive, or SAMDA. This is part of the Substance Abuse Mental Health Services Administration, or SAMHSA. And you can follow along, if you like, by going to the Internet. It's SAMHSA, SAMHSA, SAMHSA.gov, slash data. And that's where you can find a treasure trove of government information, surveys, and other data regarding uh, drug use, mental health, uh, drug rehabs, and so forth. Today, we're taking a look at data from what's called TEDS, the Treatment Episode Data Set, and particularly TEDS-A, which is the admission data. They also have TEDS-D, which is the discharge data. But we're going TEDS-A, and TEDS-A reflects the data from all of the rehab entities out there that accept some sort of federal money, and therefore they have to do federal reporting. So this is not all rehabs. Private rehabs may not be included in this data if they take no federal money. The last estimate I heard was this represents at least 58% of the rehabs out there. There's no reason to expect that the other rehabs data might be very much different. But again, I can't confirm because the private entities aren't required to report. But from what we get out of Ted's A, with my research today, I can come up with a very definitive statement, and that is medical marijuana has done nothing to stop the forced rehab of marijuana consumers. Now, this forced rehab I talk about is when you get busted with weed in an illegal state, you uh, usually end up getting some sort of probation. And sometimes that probation can come with uh, a sort of a rehab element. Whether it be inpatient or outpatient, and you are required to go to this rehab and required to submit to, you know, sometimes the twelve steps, which is kind of a pseudo-religious thing that's not been scientifically proven to be any better than quitting cold turkey. And oftentimes required to submit to your analysis, drug tests that of course make the drug testing providers more money, make the rehab providers more money, and so forth. So as I look at this data. The A data, I decided to to take a look at the reports from 1996 and 2012. So 1996 would be the data that was collected up through 1995, so it reflects data pre-medical marijuana. Then, collecting the data in 2012 gives us the information for pre-legalization, but post, a whole lot of medical marijuana. So what have the differences been? The first thing I took a look at, were people that were referred to rehab for marijuana, where marijuana was the only thing they were referred for. And, and this is done by uh, some variables. M-A-R-F-L-G, MAR flag, is positive if someone has checked in for marijuana. And there's another variable called NUM subs, which means number of substances. And I flag that for one, one substance. So MAR flag, yes, one substance would mean marijuana. And what we find is that there were 53,000 people referred to, mar- referred to uh, drug treatment for marijuana. 53,000 in 1996. When we look at that data for 2012, there were 132,000 people referred simply for marijuana. So between 96 and 2012, we've seen it more than double the number of people that were forced or the number of people in rehab for marijuana alone. The other substances, though, didn't change much. In 1992, there were 634,000 people, almost 635,000 people that were reported for one drug that wasn't marijuana, some other drug that was not marijuana. 635,000. In 2012, 605,000. There are actually a few... Uh, there were a, a little bit fewer people admitted for other drugs just one drug than admitted for marijuana while marijuana doubled the rest of the drugs stayed the same so even though we've medicalized now 20 uh, by the by 2012 it was what 18 20 states even with all those medical marijuana laws we got twice as many people going to rehab for marijuana but the same number of people going to rehab for other drugs again Specifying just one drug because a lot of these you can enter with two or three drugs it could be alcohol and marijuana it could be marijuana coke and heroin whatever another way to look at this is what sent the people to rehab what made them end up in rehab and what we find is in 1996 53 percent of the people that went to rehab I'm sorry in 96 it was 54 percent of the people going to rehab were forced there by the criminal justice system because they had to go to a drug court or they got busted with weed. In 2012, that number's hardly budged. It's now 53%, so just about the same. And what it shows us is throughout the entire medical marijuana era, more than half the people in rehab for marijuana alone are there because they were forced there. And what we find is that they're not really that addicted to marijuana. Both in 96 and 2012, we find there was only about 20 to 22% of the people who went to rehab that were daily marijuana users. When it comes to the 2012 data, 36% of them had not smoked marijuana in a month before they went to rehab. Compare that to the other drugs. With the other drugs, 42% of the people in rehab for other drugs, 42% used it daily compared to 20% for marijuana and 25% had not used it in a month compared to 36% for marijuana. Finally, you're much more likely if you are a marijuana consumer to have been to have been admitted by the criminal justice system or other referral sources than any other drug. It's time to stop forcing people into rehabs they don't need for their use of marijuana. We're back with Cops Say legalized Drugs. Tim Johnson from Ohio when we return.
1: This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com.
3: Keep your cannabis cravings under control. Feed your mind with CannabisRadio.com.
1: You're not high. You're listening to the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com.
0: I beat China all the time.
1: Okay. Maybe you're high, too.
2: Coming soon to a city near you, Cannabis Finance Boot Camp. Get all your cannabis accounting, legal, and compliance questions answered by their knowledgeable panel of industry experts who want to help your cannabis business boom. Whether you're a grower, dispensary operator, or a newcomer to the field, your cannabis business needs Cannabis Finance Bootcamp. For information on upcoming events, visit cannabisfinancebootcamp.com. Wayne once said that when there's a gold rush, it's a good time to be in the pick and shovel business. Today, we look at the rapidly evolving markets in the marijuana green rush in our Cannabisness Chronicles. Welcome back, everybody. Time for our Cannabisness Chronicles. And today, we are talking about the Indo Expo. It's taking place at the Portland Expo Center this weekend. And I will be there Saturday and Sunday with the uh, folks of CannabisRadio.com. We're trying to reach out to Chris Olson, who is uh, one of the people in charge of the Indo Expo. He's very busy, and we're trying to get him on the line. Uh, He's expecting our call. We'll see if we can get him here. Uh, Indo Expo is going to be a huge event. Like I said, we're going to be streaming it live here on Cannabis Radio. We've got a a big old 20 by 30 booth that we're going to be putting together to uh, discuss the uh, situation. And I think we've got Chris on the line now. Uh, Chris, can you hear me okay? Hey, how are you? I'm doing fantastic. How are you doing?
6: Doing great. Doing
2: great. So I was just... Uh,
6: we're, uh, we're in full setup mode here, and it's crazy.
2: Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, do you have a, a number for us on uh, just how many exhibitors are going to be there? Uh, we have about 200 exhibitors exhibiting, 200 different exhibitors. Hey. And,
6: uh, okay, I just had to pull over. We had to, we're had we running off to get uh, walkie-talkies. That's how crazy it's going to be. <laughs> so... Yeah, so I pulled over so I could talk with you guys a little bit.
2: Thank you. Thank you so much. We won't keep you too long here. Um, So Indoexpo is out at the Portland Expo Center. Uh, What are the hours? It's uh, Saturday and Sunday, but when do the doors open?
6: That's correct. It's Saturday, uh, 10 to 6, and Sunday, 10 to 4. Saturday is just for industry professionals. So if you're in the industry, if you grow, if you're a large-scale grower, uh, medical grower, have a collective, a farm, a dispensary, a hydro store, a garden center, smoke shop, gift retail, that kind of thing. If you're in the industry, Saturday is the day for you. Um, if you can't make it Saturday or you're public, you can attend on Sunday. Um, so Sunday is industry and public. Saturday is industry only. The hours are 10 to 6 on Saturday, 10 to 4 on Sunday. And also Sunday, we will have a career fair. So anyone looking to get a job in the industry Come on down. We'll have uh, resume reviews. And it's $40 in advance or $30. Uh, I'm sorry. It's $30 in advance online at
2: com or $30, uh, $40 at the gate. Okay, folks, get online. And, and all of our,
6: semin- all our seminars are complimentary, too, yeah, for get, everyone.
2: get online to indoexpo.com. That's I-N-D-O-E-X-P-O.com. Get those $30 tickets while you still can. And uh, tell folks a little bit about the seminars and, and some of the information they're going to pick up.
6: Well, the seminars range uh, everything from grow techniques, to greenhouse growing, to using teas, to organic pesticides, extraction, uh, running your can of business, the future of the industry, Um, quite a bit on uh, labeling, branding, marketing, things of that nature. We have some on lighting. Um, We have some of the biggest, some of the largest verticals in the industry, and most of them are speaking. So we'll have people speaking from Gavita, Holland, from Dostatron, from Eden Labs. Um, So we've got some real heavyweights at this show. Uh, John from Cutting Edge, uh, Farmer Tom I know is a local cannabis celebrity up here in this area. So we've got quite a bit of great seminars ranging uh, in almost every aspect of the industry. Uh, There's a lot to learn, just a lot to learn. And a lot of it is very uh, strategically planned out. We've got, you know, a lot of the hot button issues or, or what the seminar topics are on.
2: All right, all right. Hot button issues, uh, like what kind of issues are you talking about?
6: Uh, I would say primarily packaging and labeling is a big one right now. Everyone's kind of in limbo going, well, what what exactly are the rules going to be and what changes am I going to have to make and lots of answers. And then secondly, pesticides. Uh, the regulation that kind of comes It comes, it takes a little while in each state but it will come, and by, by knowing about it and being proactive, getting ahead of it, uh, a business can save itself. We watched it happen in Colorado. The edible, the edible laws when they changed the regulations with edibles was a major hit for a lot of the edible companies. So a lot of them went under. Um, if all of a sudden you find out your packaging is lowering your margins by you know a dollar and twenty five cents per edible, you know that can that can ruin you. So. Um, there's a lot of answers to a lot of questions, and a lot of people pointing out, "Hey, these are the problems that other states have had. This is what's coming down the pipe. Let's prepare yourself for it and make the necessary adjustments now so that it's not going to hurt your business." Hmm. Um, it's 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 a little the industry's a little newer here, so we'd like to try to get up there and, and, and try to help out, you know, and give people some answers to some questions that they've been asking for a while, you know.
2: Yeah. uh, The changing laws in Colorado, Oregon, uh, Washington, to some extent, have been a a big problem for a lot of the uh, people getting into the business and the people who have already been in the business. Aside from the changing regulations, though, is there any differences you're finding uh, amongst the businesses regionally? Like, are there different needs in the Pacific Northwest than there are in, say, Colorado?
6: Yeah. Yeah actually we are really enjoying the climate here in the industry and the climate, the weather's actually amazing too, but the, the, it seems that the state of Oregon is really welcoming the industry. Um, It's much more friendly. um, And the rules seem to be much simpler, but um, you know, some of these things that we got in Colorado were literally door stops. And here it's a, you know, it's a one page form to switch over from medical direct. I mean, it's, it, and it's in layman terms. It's something you can read and understand. So I know it's hard for people here in Oregon and the, and the rules and the changes and it's a big uh, adjustment, but believe me, it could be a lot worse. A lot worse. And um, So I, 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 I like the way the industry works here, and I also like how comfortable it is and there's a lot of people growing quite a bit too, um, and it's easier for people to have farms. I'm down in southern Oregon. We, re, we relocated out to Oregon this year because we love it so much out here, and uh, I just think it's great down there where we're at in Applegate. Almost everyone grows, and um, yeah, it's just it's just nice and comfortable, and uh, it's refreshing, you know.
2: So, is it your uh, is it your opinion then that if someone's you know wanting to break into the marijuana industry, that Oregon is the place to be? Um.
6: Uh, I think Oregon is a great place to be. I, don't, I wouldn't say the place to be, but it's, it's a great place to be. I, am, I moved here personally, so uh, I really like it. And I think that the there's a lot of exciting things happening in the industry. I think that the show is really going to help to create a platform where people can come and showcase that. Um, I think the timing is, is perfect. The timing and the location, um, the tenor of the industry, everything is just right. Like The stars are aligned. Mm. With this event, I can just tell already, it's going to be amazing.
2: We're so speaking with we're Chris.
6: We're all really, ex- we're really excited
2: Yes, yes. We're speaking with Chris Olson from Indo Expo. You can find out more at indoexpo.com. It's taking place this weekend in Portland at the Expo Center. Saturday is industry only. Sunday is industry and public. They've also got a job fair going on Sunday if you want to get yourself a job in the cannabis business world. And uh, Chris, you know, as as, uh, marijuana becomes more legal, you know, this uh, November, we've got five states voting on it. We could lock up the entire West Coast and Southwest. And with that, right. we're, we're seeing. And, and with that, we're seeing more and more of these expos. How how will Indo Expo grow and compete as we get more and more legalization?
6: Um, I think our show it's just it's almost a different animal than these other shows out there. A lot of these events are they're kind of saying like, "Hey, come check out the pot show." You know, it's like a pot circus. It's just a bunch of celebrities and. Football players and just the same recycled, recur- you know, it might as well be blow-up dolls at this point, just dragging <laughs> them around. And, uh, and it's like enough's enough. Our show is a real industry show. It's for the industry, by the industry. The people walking the floor are cool, seasoned vets. They're, they've been in it. They know what they're there for. You know, you're not teaching people how to pH their water and stuff. We welcome newcomers, but it's, it's not a consumer show. It's, you know, we're also not charging our buyers money. I think that's a really... Good point. That's something that sets our show aside. We want to share the platform. We want people to get the education and the knowledge and the connections. We're not trying to covet those. We're not trying to keep a hold of those things and say, oh, you can only have these connections if you pay us a lot of money. That's not what our show is all about. We don't charge our buyers. We are, Our booth prices are all inclusive. It includes everything that you need to even pick up the parking spot. Mm. We go around all the dispensaries and the hydro stores and the garden centers, and we invite them to come. And we don't charge them money. Our seminars are complimentary. Our party is complimentary. Like, we do all this stuff to give back to the industry that's supporting us. And it's, you know, it's we want to say thank you to everybody in Oregon, too. I mean, we, everyone's just been so behind the show. It's just amazing how, how much support we've gotten. And I mm-hmm. think that that's reflective of, of the industry and the good things that are coming because of the cannabis industry in
2: Oregon. I, I really think uh, this is where everyone's going to come together, get a lot of things figured out. And get to get to work. So All right. Gotta get this thing
6: dialed
0: in. Well, Chris,
2: we got about a minute left here. You briefly mentioned something about a party.
6: Well, we can't really talk about the party. <laughs>
2: uh,
6: okay. <laughs>
2: what party? You what party?
6: You. Yeah, okay. Exactly. I, I must you have been a golden ticket. Yeah. Everybody look under their feet for the golden ticket.
2: <laughs> I smoke a lot of weed. I must have been hearing something. All right. It's Indo-, yeah. <laughs> Indo Expo this weekend at the Expo Center in Portland. You can get there on the yellow line on the max if you're into the uh, right, into the public transport. Anything else in the last 20 seconds here you want to give a shout out to? No, no, that's it. Thank you guys so much at
6: Cannabis Radio. We really appreciate you guys too. And we have a big lounge set up for you guys, so you guys will be broadcasting from the events and um our handles are instagram twitter and facebook are indo expo show at indo expo show and again our website is www.indoexpo.com uh it's saturday and sunday saturday just for industry sunday for industry and public
2: and everybody come on down and, and check out the show it's gonna be it's gonna be a great time right on well thank you chris olson for taking the time pulling over and talking to us i'll let you get back on the road because i know you got a lot of stuff to finish
6: Thank you. Thanks, guys. Take care. We'll see you in
2: a couple days. All right. We'll see you at the Expo. That's Chris Olson from the Indo Expo. We'll be there all weekend in the huge lounge. You heard it from him. Stay tuned. We're going to take a quick break, pay some bills, and when we come back, we've got another guest joining us, Bree Whitehead from the Stoned Media Group, telling us about Stoned Girls.
1: This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com.
5: From dabs to chivas, sativas to indicas, we roll out a whole concentrate of fresh new content every week. It's like going from the greenhouse to the dispensary. CannabisRadio.com.
2: Orange Hill. Contact Orange Hill for a consultation today at com. I'm Radical Russ from the Russ Belleville Show. Senator Mark Madsen of Utah. Mark, welcome to the show. Everybody kind of turns a blind eye. They obviously have to go to some other state. Representative Lou
3: Fredericks, we're going to get something on the order of nonviolent possession offenses.
2: State Representative Kathy Tilton. Where
4: does the go from personal use to commercial use? It's the Russ
2: Belleville Show, the NPR of POT, weekdays live at 6 Eastern, 3 Pacific, exclusively on CannabisRadio.com. The Russ Belleville Show,
1: where the truth about marijuana gets more than a minute to speak.
2: When you are starting up a medical cannabis business, you want a fired-up lawyer who understands the needs of cannabis consumers. The Law Office of Lauren Vasquez is your fired-up lawyer for the cannabis industry. Visit her website, fireduplawyer.com, or call 1-855-MMJ-LAWS for more information. That's 855-665-5297 for Lauren Vasquez, your fired-up lawyer, or email fireduplawyer at gmail.com.
3: must wage what
5: I have called total war against public enemy number one.
6: I support a change in law
5: to end federal criminal penalties for possession of up to one ounce of marijuana. That marijuana, pot, grass, whatever you want to call it. Is probably the most dangerous drug. Some think there won't be room for them in jail. We'll make them. I experimented with marijuana a time or two and I didn't like it and didn't inhale. One major responsibility is to encourage people to use less drugs. Entirely
2: legitimate topic uh, for debate. Radical rant. Welcome back, everybody. Today in the Radical Rant, we got a great guest joining us. It's Bree Whitehead calling in from the Stoned Media Group. Bree, welcome to the show.
4: Hey, how are you doing, Russ?
2: I'm doing fantastic. Tell us a little bit about what Stoned Media Group is.
4: Show Media Group is a collaboration of a couple of different websites, or collection, I should say. It's a collection of a couple of different websites that we've launched over the past two years, um, focusing on the cannabis culture. We have two brands that are very not safe for work, and then we have three brands that are safe for work and focus on the business aspect, the entertainment aspect, and just the overall cannabis culture.
2: Okay, so let's uh, briefly uh, tell folks what the safe brands are, and then we'll talk about the unsafe ones because it's more interesting.
4: <laughs> <laughs> they usually get a little bit more time. Yeah, um, our, our our three not our, our three safe forward brands are stonetube.com, which is kind of just like it sounds. Uh, it's a collection of all weed videos on the internet. Um, and then there's High Finance Report, which focuses on the business aspects of the cannabis industry. And then we have uh, Stone Insider, which focuses on kind of everything. It's a bit more like of like a a Vicey type uh, brand versus um, like more playful and lighthearted, like some of our other ones.
0: Okay.
2: Okay. So great stuff for finance and for the industry and just to watch uh, some stoner videos. Now let's talk about the not safe for work ones. What do you got going there?
4: So those two are my first brands that I, that I launched. Um, so there is stonegirls.com, which is one of my favorites. It'll always be my baby, um, which is exactly what it sounds like. It's a bunch of naked girls smoking weed. Um, and then, uh, they, we've got, we've got like funny, very lighthearted articles. We cover a lot about sex and weed and we, we have quizzes, you know, it's very like, it's very like lighthearted Buzzfeed stoner, but it really focuses on girls getting naked and smoking. And the other one? And then... And then we have uh, Naked Weed Report, which is almost exactly like it sounds. Um, It is a naked news show. (laughs) Um, Girls uh, come out on camera, clothed, and they're in different stages of nudity throughout their report about anything that's really happening in the cannabis industry. We cover – we try and keep it pretty lighthearted. You know, like we've done segments on smoking blowjobs, but we've also done segments on – You know, like new uh, new CEOs and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So it's it's fun and uh, it's it's a lot of fun to film. Actually, I enjoy it.
2: Well, you can invite me for any of the filming sessions. I'd be glad to report on it. Uh, This is (laughs) Bree. It's it's an interesting uh, discussion here because um, I'm fairly social libertarian in my views. You know, I'm I'm for legalizing sex work. I'm for legalizing weed and even harder drugs, for that matter. Uh, But within the marijuana movement, there's kind of been a controversy around this. We have groups like women grow and we've got uh, some, some females who uh, don't like the idea of buds and babes or, or advertisements with scantily clad women. Do you get pushback from that segment and how do you respond to it?
4: Oh yeah. Oh yeah. All the time. I, um, I get called like a really bad feminist all the time. That's one of my favorite ones. Um, Like I, for me, I don't. I don't see the problem. Um, I think that a beautiful woman versus a a, a man is always going to sell something. But, you know, it's just that's what it is. Um, I think that the like women women grow. I think it's a. I shouldn't sing about women grow. Um, I think that women or or people that have that be narrow minded to think that. These women are somehow being coaxed into doing this. You know, like most of the women that work for me, um, I have I have this like I when I started doing this, I had one big rule, which was to be a light behind their eyes. Um, which, you know, I mean, if you're, if you're hiring some girls, you, you may not see that light and you may be like, man, I can't, you know, we can't work with you because we're an adult, you know, that's what we do. And there are, there are girls that maybe you're doing it for the wrong reasons, but every girl that works for me, it, like they most of them are business owners. Most of them, like I have one girl that speaks four languages and owns more companies than I do. Hmm. And, you know, like these are, these are brilliant women that enjoy, enjoy what they do. They have fun on set. They, they have a blast. Um, and, and I think that, I think that kind of saying like weed, like weed can't, can't have sex involved in it is kind of ridiculous. I think, I mean, <laughs>
0: yeah,
4: like, I, I, you know what I mean? Like, you know, like, Okay, do you get offended every time you see a Bud Light commercial, though? Like, like where is that line for people? You know, like, if if you go to a restaurant and an attractive waitress is serving you, now, she doesn't have to be wearing anything inappropriate, but she's attractive, there's a pretty good chance that you are going to give her a better tip than you would the mousy girl that didn't wear makeup that day you know it's just that's that is the human condition that has nothing to do with anything else other than like you know attractive people sell things that's all it is at least for me I
2: guess. yeah yeah now the uh, website again uh, again these are not safe for work it's stonedgirls.com and what was the second one you mentioned nakedweedreport.com nakedweedreport.com you know I do uh, uh, headline news every show uh, here on the radio and I'm naked all the time but nobody knows it so I'm just kidding (laughs) not naked at all we've
4: just got to film it and put it on Naked Weed Report
2: (laughs) Uh, you still want to get hits don't (laughs) you
4: <laughs> yeah, I think I might, I, I'm not gonna lie. I think I might lose some viewers off of
2: that. <laughs> I think so. Let's stick to radio for myself here. uh So, Bree, <laughs> how did you start Stone Girls? What guy were you? Were you in the adult space first, and then moved to weed? Were you in the weed space first? Brought in adult? Was it all new to you? How did that happen?
4: Um, actually, for me personally, it was. Uh, uh, I'd like to say it was all new. I had I. I luckily and happily answered a phone call for a um, a position that someone had referred me for. Uh, that this uh, this guy was doing. He's an investor, and he wanted to start a company that was focused on um, like a vaporizer marketplace, and I he he kinda like dumbfounded me by like some of the conversation we were having over the phone, so I was totally interested in him. And I came in, we talked a bunch, and then we tried to launch that vaporizer marketplace and he uh we ended up sadly getting shut down by the D E A over something really silly. And we we kinda like him and I vibed so well and we had talked about like just so many other like like brands that we could like launch outside of that one marketplace and he has a very large adult company so he's very familiar with the adult space and i've never done anything in adult and that like that vaporizer marketplace was kind of my first like jump into even a peripheral cannabis brand yeah. and so we we kind of we kind of came back and forth and we spent probably six months just like keeping in touch and talking. And then stone girls happened. We just started like, we, we actually were like, Hey, is this domain available? Oh God, it is. It is available. Like, let's go, you know, and just kind of like snowball from there. And then we spent about six months building and launching hmm. and that was it. Yeah.
2: How many women can you estimate have appeared on stoned girls?
4: I have over 40 models. I have 30 active ones and I, I actually you know what? I think I have over 60 because I I I always kind of try and black out that first year a little bit because yeah. we definitely evolved and we definitely got better and <laughs> bigger. Um, but uh, we but yeah I, we have like when we do a photo shoot and like and I would say about thirty percent of the girls are girls that return that we request to return. But when we do a photo shoot, we do we do like four days straight and we do so. We, I mean, it's a pretty big production, Mm -hmm. but, uh, the, yeah. So we have about typically when we do and we do, we try and shoot at least twice a year and then we do like some kind of like one-off shoots with specific girls, Mm -hmm. um, throughout the year, but we have in, in one year we'll, we'll get, we'll probably get about 40 new models. So, I mean, those are,
2: and, and models, can they apply through your website if they're, if they're interested?
4: Oh, absolutely. Go to um, stonegirls.com uh, slash submit or feel free to email us at girls at stonegirls.com.
2: Fantastic. Now, do you have any plans? We've got about a minute left. Do you have any plans for expansion? Maybe stoned dudes for the ladies and the uh, gay male audience?
4: <laughs> I get that question all the time. Um, maybe one day. Uh you know, I do own stoneboys.com, so maybe one day.
2: All right, all right. So uh you heard it there, uh, my female listeners. If you want stonedboys dot com to get online, uh send some email Breezeway and let her know that you would support such a <laughs> website. We can get that happening. Yeah. We're all inclusive yeah, here absolutely. at the Rust Bellville show. So, uh so uh Br- brie just to, to uh wind things up here are there any other uh well you, you mentioned all the websites you want to run through the uh the the safe for work ones again for the folks that joined us late
4: yeah um we have stonetube.com highfinancereport.com and stonedinsider.com all of which are fun and if you get a chance or if you can't write down all of those so quickly just go to stonedmediagroup.com
2: oh yeah the all in one stonedmediagroup.com you can find all the websites we've been talking about three safe for work two not safe for work plenty to look at Bree Whitehead thank you for joining us on the show and telling us about this
4: alright thank you so much Russ
2: alright have a great day And that's all the time we got for Hour 1. Thanks for joining us. Stay tuned for Hour 2. Toker Talk Radio is up next, where we get a little political. Yesterday, Governor Gary Johnson and Governor William Weld appeared on CNN at the Libertarian Town Hall. We'll talk a little bit about that. We'll also take a look at some of the other stories breaking late here in the Weed News. And don't forget, this weekend, our live coverage from Indo Expo in Portland, Saturday and Sunday, 10 to 6 on uh, Saturday, 10 to 4 on Sunday. For everyone here at CannabisRadio.com, I'm Radical Russ. Thanks for joining us. Until next time, take care of each other, tokers.
1: This is the Russ Bellville Show. The Russ Belleville Show is blogging and podcasting daily at RadicalRuss.com. You take a scene, you
6: plant it, you grow it, you try it, you roll it, you're smoking. You take a scene, you plant it, you grow it, you try it, you
5: roll it, you're smoking. You take a scene, you plant it, you grow it, you try it, you're it, you're it, and it goes
6: down.
2: Welcome back, tokers and tokettes and non-toking lovers of liberty. I'm Radical Russ, coming to you live from beautiful, legal potland, Oregon. Thanks for joining us here on the show. We were just speaking to our guest, Bree Whitehead from the Stoned Media Group, stonedgirls.com. And uh, I didn't go as deep into that interview as I could have gone, I'll tell you. Um, it's always been a... a An interesting topic to have to deal with in marijuana, and that is the confluence of sex and marijuana. And right off the bat, marijuana is a difficult culture, a difficult group for women to be a part of, just demographically speaking. When you look at the stats on who smokes weed and you break it down by lifetime use, like have you ever smoked weed in your life? It's about 55% male, 45% female, maybe a little less than that, maybe 52, 48, right? But it's real close, right? But men, by and large, are more likely to have tried marijuana in their lifetime. And then as you narrow down that statistic, if you narrow it down to smoking, have, have you smoked this year? And then if you narrow it down further to, have you smoked this month? And you narrow it down further to, are you a daily toker? The more often someone smokes pot, the more likely they are to be male. When you get down to the daily pot smoker demographic, it is 68% male, 32% female. So we're talking a two to one margin for every one weekly toker who's female. There's two weekly tokers who are male. So ladies, if you're looking for a fella, start smoking more weed. We're out here. <laughs> There's a lot of us. No, it's just a little bit of a joke, just a little facetious there. But it is. It is a, a, a difficult thing because just right off the bat, your pot smokers skew male. The other part that makes it difficult is pot smokers skew young. When you look at the 18 to 25 age group, you got you know one out of three that are smoking pot on an annual basis or on a monthly basis, I should say. And then once you get past age 25, that curve drops quite a bit. So you get to, you know, around the 60s, you know, 60 years old or so, it's only like 1% of the people are smoking pot. So this is uh this is what leads to the marijuana movement, the marijuana industry, people in marijuana being overwhelmingly male, overwhelmingly young. And what do young males like? Well, young men like young women. So whenever we deal with this topic of sex and and, and the marijuana industry, I worry sometimes, I, I shouldn't say worry, it, 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 it concerns me that too many people are wanting to blame the players instead of blaming the game, right? Brie Whitehead or... Coral reefer or any of the women out there that are trading on sexual appeal to build their business, build their brand, whatever it might be, are going to run into this, uh, uh, this system, and, and this, this, um, these notions that they, Bree or Coral or any of these women. Are doing something. They they are doing something wrong. They're doing something bad. They're exploiting sexuality. They're selling sex. They're whatever. However you want to deal with it. However you want to call it. But that's blaming the players. Blame the game. Marijuana is not unique in using sex to sell. As Brie was talking about alcohol and so forth. We live in a sexualized culture. A patriarchal sexualized culture. Marijuana is as subject to that as this anything else is. is.
1: Belleville show on CannabisRadio.com.
3: Legal to listen to all over the world. We're just not sure about France. Oh. CannabisRadio.com.
2: I'm Radical Russ from the Russ Bellville Show. Keith Strop, the founder of Normal, is here. The single most important victory will be California. We've got Steve D'Angelo.
3: Well, the state of cannabis affairs in California is in flux.
2: The guru of ganja, Ed Rosenthal. It's uh, better for people to be using concentrates. Weekdays live at 6 Eastern, 3 Pacific, exclusively on CannabisRadio.com. You're not high. You're
1: listening to The Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com.
4: I opted for convenience to use my personal email account.
1: Okay. Maybe you're high, too.
2: Get DotBuzz. is the internet platform that fuels community interest, excitement, and new experiences. DotBuzz is the premier online destination for internet users seeking the latest news on a variety of topics. DotBuzz appeals to groups active in blogging, communications, journalism, advertising, and marketing. .buzz offers registrants a stronger alternative to the shrinking namespace of existing top-level domain names, such as .com, .net, and .org. Get your name now at get.buzz.
1: Most of us pirates, we go on vacation to North Dakota, you know, because they've got a town called Argusville. What are you smoking there, boy? This is Dan Michaels from DanMichaelsAudio.com, and you're listening to Radical Russ on CannabisRadio.com. Welcome back,
2: everybody. It is nine after the hour. Continuing our discussion on cannabis and sex, the marijuana movement and sex. And we've spoken to Bree Whitehead from stonegirls.com, and it brings up this controversy about using sex to sell cannabis or the intersection of sexuality and cannabis. And let's, let's, uh, let's recognize that there is a slight difference here. You know, Bree brought up the whole thing of, you know, using sex to sell alcohol, right? And you see the, you know, the Coors Light ad or the Bud Light ad or hell watching, uh, um, watching the uh, ads for fast food companies, Hardee's or Carl's Jr. will have the you know, the bacon threesome burger or whatever the hell where they got the, the smoking hot models on, right? The difference though, is that those companies are selling products and then have attractive women to lure you in to buy those products. It's not about the attractive women. It's about the products. Something like stone girls on the other hand is selling the girls and the weed is the, is the leader that brings you in to see the girls, right? cuz I don't know if you know this there are naked women all over the internet so what is differentiating these naked women from all the rest of the naked women that they're stoned that they smoke weed so really it's more of a situation of using of exploiting weed to sell sex than exploiting sex to sell weed cuz they're not selling any weed so that might be part of the controversy is it that, that really we we're just talking about the use of weed to sell a form of pornography. Now, I don't have a problem with that. I think porn's wonderful. I think sex is wonderful. I, like I said, I'm socially libertarian. You and other consenting consenting adults want to do stuff with your bodies that doesn't affect me. Have at you. Have your fun. But we do get uh, some complaints, and and I've you know back in my days with normal and the the, the beginnings of the normal women's alliance, this got raked over the coals time and time and time and time again. And usually what it comes down to is yes, all women have the right to do what they choose to do. All women deserve to be economically empowered women's bodies are women's bodies. They can do with them what they will. But then you have these people, other people that say, yes, that's true, but we don't like what they're doing. Well, I don't like what everybody does myself. And, that's America. That's freedom. We, we all have to live with you. i know, have to live with other points of view, and I don't see this as a particularly harmful one, in and of itself. Like I say, I, I think it's more just a reflection of reality. It's a reflection a reflection of the world in which we live, and one in which I've got I've got to depart from the left on this, right. Uh, Generally, I'm kind of a lefty, kind of a liberal, right? But there's some areas in which liberal and progressive thinking bother me, and they usually end up in the area of sex somehow. Because while I believe all people deserve equality under the law, equal opportunity to be treated equally in service and government and all of that, we are not equal. Men and women are different. We are functionally different, we are intellectually different. Our brains are wired differently. Men's brains and sexual responses are hardwired to appreciate the visual. There's an old saying, the only thing better than one naked wo- uh, than a naked woman is a different naked woman. <laughs> we don't get the same sort of uh, uh, effect with women. Now, yeah, there's the, you know, the, uh, thunder from down under the magic Mike XXL, you know, super hot guys that women find attractive, but it's not at the same level or in the same way for women. I think looking at hot men is more like an aesthetic and appreciation for men looking at hot women. It's more like quenching a thirst. Okay. It's, it's like deeply ingrained in there. And again, This is in the gender binary. I I don't even have the time to go through all the possible alphabet combinations of sexualities out there. I'm just talking very generically, very man, woman, heterosexual at this point. So it bothers me sometimes when the elements on the left in our society come off as prudish and anti-sex and slut shaming and that we shouldn't that women are being objectified. They're being objectified. Well, they're not being forced, right? These girls that are, uh, appearing on stone girls, no one's forcing them to, and they're being compensated. I assume for doing such a thing, or they're getting a benefit out of doing such a thing. Everybody's got their free will to be able to do what they wish to do. So long as they don't harm others. So it's always, a, uh, it's always a tough discussion when this stuff comes up you know this this situation but i always err i always err on the side of letting the freak flag fly and if somebody's doing something that bothers you you don't have to be engaged with it nobody's forcing you to go to stonegirls.com right so that's where that's where those discussions become uh, problematic for me all right well let's get into let's get into some other topics because we've been talking politics this past couple of weeks with the conventions and everything. And last night on CNN, Anderson Cooper hosted a libertarian town hall with Governor Gary Johnson and Governor Bill Weld. And uh, Johnson was the former governor of New Mexico. Weld is the former governor of Massachusetts. So it's an interesting combo. And you got two popular two-term red state governors from the 90s who governed blue states and dealt with democratic majorities. So from the perspective of looking at our gridlocked uh, Congress and, in, in Washington DC could be a pretty potent combination. But as I watched this town hall last night, there was a few things that stuck in my mind. The first thing was that the ticket is backwards. This ticket should be weld Johnson, not Johnson weld. Now, All due respect to Gary Johnson, I've been on stage with him five, six times, talked to him personally, great guy, love his stand on a lot of issues, but he's a little dopey. He comes off on TV, he's not the best, most telegenic guy with the most serious gravitas, you know what I'm saying? His facial expressions and the way he talks and and it just comes off a little dopey. Weld, on the other hand, every time he got a question that he got a chance to talk about, sounded presidential as hell. That guy, he should be on the top of the ticket. If, if the libertarians are really wanting to, to place their bets on we get into the debates and then from the debates we get the national stage and, and win the election, they should have Weld at the top of the ticket so he can do the three presidential debates and leave Gary Johnson for the one vice presidential debate because Weld did far better. One particular example that really stuck out to me last night. Now, before I get to it, let me let me give Gary Johnson some kudos on one of the one of his answers. He was asked directly about the Black Lives Matter movement and gave probably the best answer of the year from a white male politician. And that was they asked, you know, how has the Black Lives Matter movement affected you? And he said, it showed that I got my head in the sand. I've had my head in the sand. That was a very, very good moment for uh, uh, Gary Johnson right there. To be humble, to admit that, you know, privilege shields us from seeing certain things, certain realities. Great answer. So now that I got the praise out of the way, let me get to the criticism. Because Gary Johnson got this question from, I, I don't, must have been Christine Tatum's best friend or something. Some reefer mad woman, some brunette woman in the audience. Totally reefer mad. Talked about how she's from Colorado and there's been deaths from weed and we're not talking about CBD oil with low THC. Today's marijuana is up to 90% THC. It's different than the weed you smoked back in the day. So I heard that question, right? And I'm sitting there watching the debate going, oh my God, here, here we go. This one's right in Gary Johnson's wheelhouse. He's the ex-CEO of a medical marijuana company. He's been on the marijuana tip for how long he's going to knock it out of the park, right? No. No, he flubbed it. He, he flubbed the marijuana. He did not at all address the idiocy because she kept asking and, and uh, Anderson Cooper kept trying to bring him back to it because she asked, would you support potency limits? That's a very, very yes or no question. Potency limits. Do you support potency limits? Johnson didn't do a thing to address the potency issue. He went back to talking about kids with CBD oil who went from 300 seizures to 30 on CBD oil, and then when you add THC, went from 30 to 3, and he thought that was a way he could say that, well, THC is okay. Completely missing the point of the question, which was, yeah, THC, THC, but do you support potency limits on it? Because those kids that are getting the CBD oil with the THC in it, it ain't a whole lot of THC. She was trying to bring up dabs. She was trying to bring up concentrates. That's where she was going with it. And Gary missed it twice. Like he was asked two or three times and he just whiffed on the question and and sounded kind of stuttery and unsure. That really concerns me. Of all the questions that came up, that one should have been right Gary Johnson's wheelhouse. That one should have been knocked out of the park. Now, the other thing that concerns me about the Weld-Johnson ticket is... What are they? Are they libertarians? Because there were some questions that came up that I know the libertarian answer to. I've debated libertarians. I know what libertarians think on this. One in one in particular, there was a question that had to do with sex. Work. Oh, All right, we'll have to save that for the next segment gary johnson's answer on the question of prostitution that's coming up next we'll also talk a little bit more about the libertarians prospects and what's happening with the green party looks like they're gonna get a town hall in two weeks it's four twenty here in beautiful legal potland time for a union mandated safety break be right back
3: being green is good Growing green is good. Making green is great. Cannabisradio.com. Thousands of cannabis professionals convene this August in Portland, Oregon, to the city responsible for half a billion dollars in cannabis commerce. The Portland Expo Center hosts Indo Expo August 6th and 7th. Indo Expo has seed to sale covered all weekend long. With educational seminars and over 250 exhibitors, lights, nutrients, trimmers, extractors, greenhouses, cutting-edge grow gear, genetics, smoking accessories, and more. Free admission for buyers, store owners, and MJ industry professionals. Visit www.indoexpo.com.
5: Georgia. Hi, this is Willie Nelson. Alcohol prohibition didn't work in the 1920s, and marijuana prohibition isn't working today. It's time we stopped arresting responsible marijuana smokers. It's the fair thing to do.
4: For more information, contact Normal, the National Organization for the Reform of Marijuana Laws. Call toll-free 888-67-NORML or visit their website at NORML.org.
1: This is The Russ Bellville Show on
2: CannabisRadio.com.
1: And You're tuned into the Russ Belleville Show, the voice of the marijuana nation, only on CannabisRadio.com. All right,
2: welcome back, everybody. 23 after the hour, We're continuing our discussion of the Libertarian Town Hall last night, and and mostly because there's there are a significant amount of cannabis consumers, people in our in our movement here who are big Gary Johnson fans, big libertarians. Libertarians have always been there in the, uh, the fight for legalizing marijuana. And there are a lot of, uh, a lot of Gary Johnson's fans who are salivating at the prospects of this year's election because the two major parties have nominated the two least liked candidates by those parties in all of history. So there is an opening here for the libertarians like there never has been before. So the interesting part to me is watching how much Weldon Johnson will compromise on true libertarianism in their effort to try to appeal to as wide an electorate as possible. They're trying to simultaneously pull over the the Bernie Sanders supporters who are very far left and woo over some of the disaffected Republicans who are never Trump, who are kind of center-right. So it's a difficult kind of tightrope to walk, and the more people start investigating what libertarians stand for and start asking some questions, the harder a tightrope this is going to be to walk. And one question that stood out to me in the debate that illustrated this was the question on prostitution. There was, I don't remember the exact question, but it had to do with sex work and prostitution. And the libertarian stand on that has always been that, uh, it should be legal again. It's my body, my choice, consenting adults, not bothering you free markets. (laughs) It's mine. I can sell it. You know, it's always been that kind of attitude, right? So on the prostitution question, when it came to Gary Johnson, he kind of gave this mixed up answer about how it should be up to the states that the state of Nevada, for example, has legalized prostitution and has had it for a long time everywhere except Clark and Washoe counties. You can't get it in the big cities of Reno or Las Vegas, but elsewhere in Nevada, prostitution is legal. And then as he went on discussing it, had had said something about, you know, uh, and so it should be up to the states and it's legal in Nevada. And so if somebody wants to, you know, engage in those services, they should go to Nevada, uh, you know, so they don't pick up a disease. (laughs) And I'm thinking, right, like some guy in Trenton, New Jersey, who wants a prostitute, should catch a flight, fly all the way to, Vegas, or fly all the way to Nevada, and then, then from Vegas or Reno, whichever airport he lands in, then get a rental car and drive far enough out to get to the Bunny Ranch or wherever the place he wants to go. That doesn't seem like a very practical solution. And it also dovetails into the other part of how the libertarians are trying to attract the people on the left by saying, look, we are socially liberal party, party right? We we are pro-choice, and we are pro-drugs, and we are pro-prostitution, Right. But, and and this came up in a couple of uh, abortion rights questions, again, it came back to the feds shouldn't be involved in that, it's up to the states. Well, well, that's an incompatible kind of worldview, isn't it? You can't say that people have the sovereign right over their bodies to do with what they choose, but if a state wants to infringe on that sovereign right, it's up to that state. Look, it's a right or it's not a right. It's not something states get to decide. And that's where they're going to they're going to falter as more attention comes to these kind of points. And as he was trying to, you know, wiggle around the prostitution question, it came off as, you know, insincere. Because I know Gary Johnson believes prostitution should be legal. I know that libertarians think that the 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 government, be it state or federal, should not be infringing on people's personal civil liberties. I mean, really, imagine imagine answering the gun question that way. Now, should there be a, a assault wife a assault weapons ban? Well, it should be left up to the states. <laughs> yeah, you think those Second Amendment type libertarians would put up with that? It's a right or it's not a right. But I feel I feel when I was watching that that Johnson and Weld were purposefully trying to not say what the party really believes because they know that would tip them too far to the left and lose them those votes on the right they're trying to get from the never trumpers so it's it's interesting watching this happen as you know libertarians for so long have been so pure of principle right They didn't mind that they were losing, you know, never getting elected to anything because they were pure of principle. Free minds, free markets, principle. But now that this window has opened up that shows, hey, wait a minute, man, if we got 15% in the polls and then we got into the debates and then it was like a three or four way race where we could win a plurality, we could actually win this thing. It's causing them to kind of question some of their principles, isn't it? Maybe we're not so pro prostitution. And, and there are some other things, of course, you know, like um, there was a discussion early in the debate about cutting the federal government. Of course, one of the things they want to get rid of is the Department of Education. But then another thing farther in the debate about how we need to educate all the kids and we can't let the kids fall behind. Well, well how are we going to do that if education's run on a state by state basis? You know, we're gonna let Mississippi teach the kids that Jesus walked with dinosaurs and the earth was created in six days, and that there is no such thing as evolution. That's what happens when we leave education up to the states. So so it's gonna be fun watching Weldon Johnson try to keep the libertarian base and simultaneously reach left and reach right to try to get voters. Gonna be interesting. And it's going to get more interesting as Jill Stein gets more attention. Jill Stein's going to get this Green Party uh, uh, town hall in a couple weeks. And what's going to happen there is the extreme far left, the most diehard Bernie or Buster types, are going to gravitate toward that Green Party. And that's going to cost some of the votes that Johnson and Weld will be trying to get from the left it's kind of ironic that all these years when we've talked about a third party spoiler like a Ralph Nader or a, or a John Anderson or a Ross Perot these third party spoilers and and the idea being that the third party siphons away votes from the first party so the second party can win right but now the fourth party might be siphoning votes from the third party so that the first party can beat the second party. <laughs> it's, it's just funny to me how this election is shaping up. Funny in a tragic way. I mean, there's a video I, I forwarded off of uh, New York Times today, which was taken by various New York Times reporters as they attended uh, uh, Trump rallies. And it wasn't them covering Trump, but instead covering The comments of the people at Trump rallies. Oh, folks, this is your your, uh, lowest of the low. These are your typical redneck, bigoted, homophobic. I mean, the the, the things they say, racial slurs and, you know, homosexual slurs and, and just nasty language and, you know, just terrible behavior. And and that's part of what this election is really I mean everybody knows here about my recent switch. And another part of what made that switch was recognizing that, you know, we can we can we can pay too close attention sometimes to the individual candidates and lose track of the overall party and the overall direction the country will go. Right? Oh, Hillary Clinton's a bitch. Oh, Donald Trump's an asshole, right? We get too much into the individual persons and fail to appreciate that those individual persons are leading an entire party and an entire mindset. And as I see those Trump followers and I listen to their vile, racist, exclusionary language, And I see their bullying and and incitement to violence. I want those people to lose. I want those people to get humiliated in the election. I want them to lose so badly that they recognize that their backward, retrograde, racist viewpoint is in a shrinking minority that has no power. That's what I want them to feel the day after the election. I want them to look up at the electoral college where they, they lost you know, 350 to 120 or whatever the hell it ends up being. I want there to be such a landslide that all those Trump racist, bigoted, homophobic, sexist, misogynist Trump followers realize they are the silent minority, that they are the dinosaurs. They are the old school, and they have no place at the table in our political discussions. So if I had my druthers, <laughs> I'd rather see Hillary Clinton win 65-35 in the popular vote. I'd love to see a 30-point gap, an absolute landside shellacking, a strong repudiation by the United States of America For anybody who thinks like Trump to ever think they have a chance. That's what needs to happen. But unfortunately, what's going to happen, what's going to happen is we're going to have a real close election. Hillary Clinton might win it like a a 42-37. And then the rest of the vote split up between Johnson and Stein. And it'll be just like when Bill Clinton got elected with a 43% plurality, when the, the political talking heads and the and the political leaders were like, well, he doesn't have a mandate. He only got in with a plurality. Most people don't want him to be president. And so how did he govern from that point on? Cautiously and to the center. And I fear the same thing's going to happen with Hillary. She's going to get elected with this you know, 43, 40-something, 40, you know, a non-50% win and god forbid it's also close in the electoral college right and those trumpers they're going to say it was fixed they're going to say it was it was rigged wasn't fair they're going to think in 2020 that if they just do it the right way in 2020 get somebody just a little more polished that they could pull it off man i Really wish we could just shut those guys down. Of course, who knows? The more scrutiny that is paid to the Libertarians and the Greens, perhaps more people recognize that they haven't got their shit together and they vote for the Democrats. Who knows? It's going to be fun. We'll keep our eye on it. All right, folks, stay with us. We'll be back with more political talk here on Toker Talk Radio right after this.
1: This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com.
5: Cannabis use isn't the only thing growing. So are we. Grow with us. CannabisRadio.com.
0: Play is Ted Growing, expelled botany sophomore
4: and the biggest grower in town, only on Weed Firm Replanted, available on the App Store and Google
0: Play. It's a lot of work being the biggest grower in town.
3: Chong is ready to cut through the smoke and change the tone of tilt radio.
0: You know, during dance with the stars I started feeling discomfort. Yeah, And not only that, I was doing these old man smells. And it was kind of embarrassing because, you know, the, all the Dancing with the Stars crew, casting cast and crew, you know, they were all young kids. Yeah. You know, and then all of a sudden, this old guy would come along and do one of those silent farts, you know, that you don't know you're doing it. Yeah, And all of a sudden, you smell, and everybody go, what the hell smells? And, you know, and you knew it was me. And, and so I'd scurry off to the bathroom, you know, and that's when I knew that there was something wrong.
3: The Tommy Chung Podcast, only on... On
0: Welcome to my world.
3: World, world, world. This
1: is Dan Michaels from DanMichaelsAudio.com, and you're listening to Radical Russ on CannabisRadio.com.
2: With over six years of experience in the industry, New Era CPAs is one of the nation's leading cannabis accounting firms, helping hundreds of growers, dispensaries, and ancillary companies with their tax, legal, and business strategies. New Era CPAs' offices cover the West Coast from Seattle to San Diego, and their skilled team is always available to help you take your business to the next level. Visit NewEraCPAs.com for more info and set up a consultation. Welcome to the New Era.
1: Remember, friends, there's more to life than marijuana. I just can't remember what it is. Why'd I come in here? You're tuned into the Russ Bellville Show, the voice of the marijuana nation, only on CannabisRadio.com.
2: Welcome back, everybody. 39 after the hour, continuing our discussion of this interesting four-way presidential election race going on. Read a very interesting piece on Utah today. How Utah has a chance of going blue. That Hillary Clinton could actually win Utah. And Gary Johnson may have something to do with that. See, the uh, Mormon population in Utah does not like Donald Trump. And the reason why? They're a religious minority. So when he starts talking about identifying Muslims and rounding up Muslims and kicking Muslims out, it strikes a chord in the heart of Mormons. And full disclosure, I was raised Mormon. So I got some insight on this, right? Mormons have some interesting culture. And part of it is their origin, right? They, they were a, a, a persecuted religious minority in the 1820s, 30s, and 40s. Their leaders were lynched by mobs. They were kicked out of... New York kicked out of Missouri. They made their way to Utah and they faced a lot of, you know, uh, discrimination because of their religious beliefs, polygamy at the time and so forth. So, in the Mormon heart, there is a strong chord with not tolerating religious discrimination of any kind. In fact, the Mormons, when they settled Utah in some of the first territorial compacts, Specifically said that all religions are welcome and tolerated here, the Christian, the blah, 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 the blah, the blah, and the Mohammedans, which is what in the 1800s they used to call Muslims, followers of Mohammed, Mohammedans, right? So the Mormons were the most Muslim-tolerant people in America for a long time. So they don't like Donald Trump none. But they also don't like Hillary Clinton at all. They hate Hillary Clinton with a passion. So along comes Gary Johnson, and Gary Johnson is starting to resonate in Utah. I believe, it was, was it the rep from Utah that pulled his endorsement from Trump and endorsed Johnson? Maybe I'm mistaken. But anyway, Utah, he's got a chance there in Utah, a really good chance. But the funny thing is, is that the Democratic voters in Utah, of which there are some, are going to stick with Hillary. And Johnson, all he may end up doing is siphoning enough way, enough votes away from Trump that he splits the Republican vote in Utah and actually gives Hillary Clinton a plurality win in Utah. Now, it's also likely he, that Johnson could get a plurality win in Utah. But either way, Trump... Could lose Utah, and that's that's some good news. Glad to hear that. And and similarly in Arizona, Arizona's got the third highest Mormon population in the United States after Idaho. Don't worry, folks. Idaho's going to Trump. There's no <laughs> Idaho's not Mormon enough to overcome Idaho's Idaho ness, <laughs> so it's going to Trump. But Arizona might be in play for the Democrats this time. Now, looking at the um, the polling going on right now because here's here's the path for the libertarians and and you know this past week or so there's been a lot of hurt feelings and upset about me switching over to supporting Hillary Clinton and not being burning or bust and I've you know I've done as I do and I rail about it and I've pissed some people off and i I apologize if I've pissed you off, but I am just trying to you know have a show here, talk about things um, but as I've been reflecting on that, I've thought, you know what Russ? Play devil's advocate here. Even though you're for Clinton, what you're really all about here is that Trump does not win. Trump cannot be my president. I will not accept Donald Trump as president of of the country I love. Now, I believe the only way that doesn't happen is if Hillary Clinton wins. But I do have to be honest and say, hey, if Gary Johnson won, at least he wouldn't be Donald Trump, and I could, I could live with that. In fact, he's really good on the marijuana issue. Not so good on some of the other issues I care about. He's pro-TPP, by the way. Um, but I could live with a Gary Johnson, right? So it behooves me, to be fair to my audience, even though I don't think it's a likely scenario, but to be fair to my audience, I should also start pointing out that there is a pathway for libertarian victory for the presidency. It's a narrow one, folks. It's, it's like that dumb and dumber thing, uh, a one in a million chance. So you're saying there's a chance? It's one of those, but there is a pathway. Here's how it works. Last election, Mitt Romney, Barack Obama. Barack Obama won by 64 electoral votes. So let's start the map from there. Assume Clinton's going to take the states that Obama took and assume that Trump is going to take the states that uh, Romney took. Okay, so we got to find a way to get Gary Johnson up to 270 electoral votes out of that. So the first step and Gary Johnson, I was so happy that he made this point. Gary Johnson himself said, we have to make the debates. The debates are the Super Bowl. The debates will get 50 million viewers. If we're not in that game, we cannot win. Okay? Now, I know a lot of supporters of Gary Johnson out there. Your own guy is saying if he doesn't get in the debates, he can't win. So if he doesn't get in the debates, why, you need to seriously reconsider your vote because even he thinks he can't win. But then again, Some of you didn't reconsider your vote when Bernie Sanders said that he was going to endorse the person who could win. So I can picture a lot of people that will vote for Johnson anyway, even though Johnson says he can't win without the debates. But doggone it, I'm just not going to cast a vote for the evil. Anyway, so here's the path. Gary Johnson has to make the debate. So he does. Let's say he does. To get in that debate, he needs to get 15% in five polls. Five national polls, 15 percent in five polls. Now, I will concede that it's a fucked up standard that the Democrats and Republicans run the debates. And they came up with an arbitrary 15 percent number and they do everything in their power to try to keep third parties out. I'll give you that. Doesn't change the situation any. Gary Johnson needs 15 percent getting that debate. That's the way the rules are written. So let's take a look at the polls. Right now, on RealClearPolitics.com, they've got the general election poll, the four-way polling, Trump, Clinton, Johnson, Stein. They've also got polling for three-way polls, Trump, Clinton, Johnson. Okay? So, as we look at the Trump, Clinton, Johnson poll, since the conventions, at the convention time, Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton were tied at 40%, Gary Johnson was sitting at 7.8%. Since the conventions, Hillary Clinton has climbed up to 43%. Trump has fallen to 36%. Johnson's climbed up to just 8.6, from 7.8 to 8.6, a slight increase. So, and that's the real clear politics average. It's a rolling average. If we look at the individual polls, we see that the highest Johnson has scored in a three-way poll is 12% on a Fox News poll just this week. In other three-way polls, he's gotten three 10s, two nines, and an 8. He needs a 15. So already he's, he's struggling in three-way polling to get to the 15% threshold he needs. And now this goes back to the spoiler, like the spoiler of the spoiler. Gary Johnson by himself could be the spoiler for the first two, but Jill Stein is going to spoil Gary Johnson's chances. When we look at the four-way polling, the four-way polling has Gary Johnson at 8%. He's at 8.6 in the three-way polling. He's at 8 in the four-way polling. Jill Stein's at 3.9 in the four-way polling. So about 4%. So by himself, he generates about 8.6% of the vote combined with Jill Stein. They make up about 12% of the vote. So even combined, they're not making it to the 15% threshold. And because there's two of them, it's going to be harder for either of them to make that 15% threshold. They won't both make the 15% threshold. If they were both at 15, that would leave Clinton and and Trump at both about 30. Clinton would have to lose about 13 and a half points, and Trump would have to lose about seven to get to that point. But let's say it happens, because, hey, man, (laughs) this election, anything could happen. Let's say that there's a release by WikiLeaks of horrendously damning information about Hillary Clinton. Um, I don't know, she ordered fetal parts from Planned Parenthood and ate them on videotape as part of a satanic ritual, right? Something that just tanks her numbers. And then Trump, <laughs> just let him keep talking. His, <laughs> his numbers will tank as well. But we've got to be talking about Hillary Clinton losing, going from 43% in the polls to somewhere around 30 means her losing about one out of three of her voters. And those one out of threes would all have to go to Gary Johnson. And the same for Trump, he'd have to go from 37 to about 30. So he has to lose about one out of four, one out of five of his voters. And so Gary Johnson has to find a way to appeal to one out of three Clinton voters, and about one out of five Trump voters and hope that Jill Stein doesn't take any of that left-hand side from her, from him, which she will. So it's going to be exceptionally difficult for Gary Johnson to get up to this 15% mark that he needs to make the debate. Now, the debate is in September, September twenty-six, so we got, you know, seven weeks before we get there. But looking in the four-way polling data, Johnson gets 10 in two polls that have recently come out. The rest of them are sitting around 6, 7, 8, 9. Jill Stein, the highest she's gotten is a 6. This was in a McClatchy poll that had uh, Clinton 45, Trump 31, Johnson 10, Stein 6. So between the two of them, they've reached the 15% mark twice. In that poll, 10 plus 6, and in the NBC News Wall Street Journal poll where Johnson gets 10 and Stein gets 5. So between the two of them, they got fifteen. So, how weird is it that Gary Johnson and Bill Weld have a spoiler to their spoiler? <laughs> it's just, uh, but again, we're playing devil's advocate here. Let's let's pretend it happens. Let's pretend it happens. Hillary Clinton's caught eating fetal baby parts in a satanic ritual, and uh, Donald Trump continues speaking, and both of them tank, and Gary Johnson makes the debate. What happens then? Now, according to the plan, according to the dream, it's that Gary Johnson gets in the debate and has such a stellar debate performance that everybody realizes there's another option and they all jump to Gary Johnson. It could happen, I suppose. We'll flesh that out a little bit in our next segment. Stay tuned.
1: This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com.
5: We don't limit how much you smoke, and we don't limit where you listen. Cannabis Radio is now on iTunes, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio.
0: be no crime. camp Inc is even hot proved by the man who run high times. Oh yeah, get it on Android and I and iOS today. Marijuana llama out. Got to tend to me on crops, you know. Money don't make itself. Hemp ink.
3: The political climate is at a fever pitch, and the fight for the social fabric of America is set for battle this November. Tuesday, November eighth, the cannabis liberation movement takes a huge step forward. And Cannabis Radio is here to chronicle this legendary moment. CannabisRadio.com and the Cannabis Radio News Team will feature wall-to-wall live coverage of all the coast-to-coast voting of state amendments, ballots, propositions, and initiatives that will further progress the Cannabis Crusade. Join us Thursday, November 8th for Vote 2016, The Path to Cannabis Freedom, only on CannabisRadio.com.
1: The Russ Belleville Show reminds you to never smoke and drive impaired. Hang out for a while and share.
2: <laughs>
1: Warning, hits taken on this show are larger than they appear. Do not try this at home. These people are professionals. Or at least they pay me to say that. This is the Rush Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com.
2: All right, welcome back, everyone. 55 after the hour, just a couple minutes before we close up shop here at the Russ Belleville Show. And a quick reminder, we'll be back on tomorrow, and uh, Stoner Jesus will be on tomorrow as well. Then Saturday and Sunday, we come to you from the Indo Expo in Portland, Oregon. I'm uh, just now getting all my all my uh, interview requests put into the calendar. Uh, looks like we're going to have quite a few people to talk to. It's going to be a good time at the Indo Expo. And just to wind up the uh, the whole Gary Johnson thing... Um. So if, if he's able to get 15% in the polls, five of them, and if Green Party Jill Stein doesn't steal enough of the left side of the, his vote to get to 15%, and if he gets into the debate and does phenomenally well, and if he's able to convince enough of the voters in all of the states Mitt Romney won to dump Trump and pick him and if he's then able to find another 64 electoral votes out of the states that Obama won and steal those from Hillary if all that happens then Gary Johnson can be president of the United States so it's not impossible there is a chance there how was that (laughs) that's all the time we got for today thanks for joining us we'll talk to you again tomorrow and all this weekend next weekend i'll be in boise idaho for the boise hemp fest i'm speaking there and then uh, the following weekend is the 25th anniversary of the seattle hemp fest i'll be speaking there as well for everyone here at CannabisRadio.com, i'm radical russ thanks for joining us from beautiful legal potland oregon and until next time Take care of each other, tokers.
1: This is the Russ Belleville Show. The Russ Belleville Show is blogging and podcasting daily at RadicalRuss.com.
6: You grow it, you are it, you are it, you scone in You take a seed, you plan it, 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 you grow it, you try it, you roll it, you smoke it. You take a seed, you plan it, you grow it, you try it, you roll it, you smoke it, and
5: it goes that of it.